Aquilon in the passage that we're looking at today, it's going to be Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And if you don't uh, have your Bibles with you or you want to follow along uh, uh, word by word, uh, in the Bibles in the racks in front of you on page 1019, uh, that is where that scripture is. So that's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And while you flip there, I, I just want to uh, talk a little bit about what I'm going to be preaching on, not just today, but for the coming weeks. I don't, if you were here last week, you heard Pastor Mark say that he always liked it when the lead pastor left because then he could do a mini-series. And when he said that, I thought, I should do a mini-series while he's gone. <laughs> And what I'm going to be preaching on on the next few weeks is the life of Peter. And, of course, if you read the Gospels, you see that Peter is a very central figure uh, in Jesus' ministry to the disciples. It's often Peter that speaks up first. Oftentimes he's wrong and Jesus has to correct him. But if you look through the life of Peter, it's a really great life to look at, biblically speaking, to compare to our own lives and the Christian life that we lead because we see Jesus' interaction with a person. And we see Jesus' calling of Peter, uh, Peter's confession of who Jesus is. We see Peter's denial of Jesus and we see Jesus bring Peter back and forgive him. And then not, not only that, we see Jesus commission Peter to be a leader in the church. And then we see in the beginning of the book of Acts, Peter is actually preaching the gospel out in the open air for people to believe. And so if we look at Peter's life, Jesus' interaction with him, I think what we sort of get is a good comparison for us to look at, biblically speaking, of what our Christian life is like. And, and the first uh, uh, theme, you might call it, that we're looking at today is Peter's calling to follow Jesus and what that compares to our calling to follow Jesus. So this is Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put a little out for, from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee's, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats to shore, left everything, and followed him. Well, if you are a baseball fan at all, if you have a team that you follow or maybe you just like it in general, you know that this week was the Major League Baseball trade deadline. And I don't know if you have a team that you follow, but one of my coworkers at the Menards Distribution Center was very upset about a trade that occurred with the Brewers. Does anybody know about that? 
All right, let's not go into a bad mood just yet. We can talk about it after the service, but it got me to thinking about the number of trades that I would see my favorite teams go through and how it just was like out of the blue. You know, you, you think that a player is going to be there forever, and then you hear that they're traded. Well, it was about eight years ago that this happened on the day of the MLB trade deadline for my favorite team, the best team, I think, the Detroit Tigers. <laughs> now, eight years ago, they were contenders, okay? So it was about eight years ago that I was listening to a game, and I remember the, uh, the announcers were talking about the trade deadline, and, and it sounds like a deal is going to be worked out for the Tigers to pick up this pitcher. And then it was the, I believe it was the top of the seventh inning, it was a home game, and all of a sudden they said, oh, wait a second, it looks like Brad Osmus is coming out, the Detroit Tigers manager, and he's stopping the ump for some reason, we're not sure. And all of a sudden, you just heard it on the radio, the crowd. There was just a, uh, uh, oh, throughout the crowd. And the announcers knew what was happening. They said, folks, Brad Osmus is calling in Austin Jackson. Austin Jackson has just been traded to the Tampa Bay uh, Rays. And it, it was in the middle of a game. Austin Jackson was their left fielder. And as far as he was concerned, as far as I was concerned, Austin Jackson was going to be a lifelong Detroit Tigers player. But it was in the middle of a game that the manager came out, called time, and said, I can't let him play anymore because he's been traded to another team. And so the ump called time. Austin comes out, and as he's leaving the field, the audience starts giving the applause. Everybody knows what's going on. Austin Jackson is no longer a Detroit Tiger. He's been called out of the game. He goes into the dugout. He says his goodbyes, and that's it. He's gone. Well, that's kind of the life that we have before and after we meet Jesus, Before we meet with Jesus, we have a certain life that we live, and as far as we're concerned, this is our life. This is our goals, this is our future, these are my belongings, this is my plan. I'm headed in this direction, and whether or not we like that direction doesn't matter. That's where we're going. And then we meet Jesus, and it all changes. All of a sudden, within a moment, We are called to a completely different life, and we know it from the inside out. And I've talked with people that that mentioned the kind of change that they went through. One, One story I heard, he said that he heard the gospel, but he didn't want to accept it, and so he sent the people away. And he said all night he was bothered by it. Why? Because he met Jesus. And Jesus was going to make him make a decision that night if he was going to follow him or not follow him. That's the life that we're called to when we follow Jesus. We're living a certain life. Jesus shows up and says to us, come follow me. And we have a decision we have to make. And if we follow him, our life will be radically changed forever. So this is what happens to Peter. Jesus is a teacher. Uh, The Jewish word for teacher is rabbi or rabboni. You might see it spelled different ways in the scripture. But what that basically means is Jesus is a teacher. He's a preacher. He goes through and he studied the scripture. He reads the scripture and he expounds on the scripture. At least 
to everybody around him, that's his job. And so he begins to do that, and you see it in Luke chapter 4 where he's teaching in the synagogue. That's the place of worship for the Jewish people. And as he's teaching in the synagogue, people are amazed at what he knows about the Scripture. Well, then people begin to follow him, and they want to hear more about the Scripture. I don't know if you've had anybody like that in your life. Maybe you did that in school. Maybe you had a favorite teacher that you would sit through classes you would learn about the topic, and then when class was over, you would say, uh, hey, Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, can I ask you questions about that subject? Well, that's what people are doing with Jesus. They're not just going to the synagogues on Saturday to listen to him. They're following him around town. And so he's stopping and giving these lessons, open-air lessons, to all of these people. And what happens is he's by this lake of uh, Gennesaret, and while he's trying to teach, it says the crowds are pressing in on him. And what that means is there's just so many people, uh, Jesus is trying to figure out, how do I teach in a way that everybody can hear me and not everybody is going to be pushing and shoving? And so he looks over and he sees that Peter and his companions are washing their net. And what Peter is, is he's a fisherman. Peter is washing his net because they fished at nighttime. And the implication there that he's washing his nets, and it doesn't say anything about fish, and it doesn't say that they're counting the fish or they're shipping the fish, means that they've not caught anything. So the implication that Jesus sees is that Peter has worked all night with his companions, has not caught anything, which means he's not going to make money that day at the market, and Jesus asks them a favor. Can I borrow your boat put out a little from shore so I can teach these people. I think that'll be a way where everybody can hear me. Now here's what's interesting about that moment is Jesus doesn't pull any authority when he does this. He's a rabbi. He's a religious figure. He's a religious authority. If he wanted in this moment, I think he could have said to Peter, Peter, you're a Jewish man, aren't you? Yes, I am. Well, I'm a teacher and I'm trying to teach people uh, put me out to shore. He could have manipulated Peter or pushed Peter to do this, but instead he just simply asks. And he meets with Peter where Peter is at. I think that's very important for our own Christian life to realize that Jesus meets us wherever we are at in life. We don't have to go to a special place unless that's a place that Jesus has prepared for us. Jesus goes to us. That's very important. Notice, he doesn't say to Peter, hey, let, let's go out to shore, and then when we're done, I'd like to invite you to the next tabernacle meeting at the synagogue, and you can hear me teach there. Does that sound okay? Or he doesn't say to the people as they're pressing in on him, hey, I would love to teach you guys, but today is my day off. I taught yesterday. I really don't feel like talking about God anymore. Why don't you come back next Saturday, and you can hear me in the synagogue? No, Jesus is meeting with the people and he meets with Peter where he is at. That is a moment that we have in our Christian life. Many of us can probably think back to that day that, that we began to follow Jesus or throughout our Christian life where Jesus has met with us exactly where we've needed to be. It's as if, though, God is preparing places for us to visit him. Well, that's exactly what it is. When Jesus meets with Peter, he was preparing Peter to meet with him. 
So he meets with Peter. He asks if they can go out to shore. They go out to shore, and he begins to teach the crowds from there. And I can only imagine what was going through Peter's mind. I don't know if you've ever worked third shift, but when you get done working all night, and especially if your job did not produce any money for you to take home with, I don't know about you, really don't want to sit through a sermon. The last person I would want to hear preach is myself if at the end of the day I worked all day and didn't make any money. Yet Peter has toiled all night, not caught anything, and he's sitting in there in the boat and we assume is listening to the words of Jesus. Exactly what he needs to hear. Again, Jesus is meeting with Peter. He's saying exactly what Peter needs to hear and Peter is patiently waiting for him. And then, and then something happens where Jesus looks at Peter and, and says, cast your nets again. That's interesting. Jesus isn't a fisherman. Now, we, of course, and, and we'll get to this in a little bit about the miracle that occurs, but look through it through Peter's eyes. Jesus is just a rabbi. He's just a teacher. He's not a fisherman. He is not part of this profession. If he were, and I'm thinking maybe what Peter and his partners are thinking, if he were, he would know that we've already washed our nets. We don't want to wash the nets again. Uh, We've already fished all night. Nighttime is the best time to fish. At least that's how the Palestinian world used to fish, is at nighttime when the seas were calmer. So Peter may be thinking to himself, what does this man know about fishing? And yet Peter decides that he's going to follow through with it, and he's going to cast his nets. That shows you the humility that Peter has before Jesus, because actually back in that day, Peter could have spoken up and said to Jesus, listen, I just rowed you out from shore. I just let you preach to the crowds like you wanted to do, but this is my profession. I'm not able to do any more work. You don't know what you're talking about. Let me row you back to shore, and we'll all go home. Peter could have responded in that way, and it would have been fairly appropriate. But instead, Peter has a level of humility where he's, he, there's something about Jesus. There, there's something about him that when Peter hears him, Jesus, tell him, Peter, what to do, he says, I'll try it. Many of us have had those moments, haven't we? Where we've, <laughs> where we've met with God, God has told us to do something, and our first thought is, that doesn't make any sense. But God, I think, I, I think you know what you're doing, so I think I'll follow you on this one. When my wife and I were going through ordination process where I was being uh, looked at to be a pastor and they were looking to license me and ordain me, one of the questions that came up was I was pastoring in a different church than the Wesleyan church. And, and the question that came up was, uh, Josh, we're kind of afraid that you're going to stay with the United Methodist because that just makes the most sense. Uh, that you would stay with the United Methodist, be ordained by them, and begin to pastor their churches, you know, without us. What do you have to say to that? And Emily and I, our response to them was, well, if you've known our married life, we don't make a lot of decisions that make sense. The day we decided we were going to go to seminary to train for ministry is when Emily found out she was pregnant with our first child. 
And yet we still planned on leaving the state that we grew up in to go to a different state, Kentucky. So from Michigan to Kentucky, leave all of our family because God trained us for the ministry. And we did that. And, and as we've made our decisions, we've made them based on what God has called us to do. For example, born and raised in Michigan, my favorite team is the Detroit Tigers, the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Lions. Are you catching the, the pattern here? If it's Michigan-based, I love the team. And then I get an email from Pastor Mark three years ago that says, would you like to move to Wisconsin? What was our first thought? That's ridiculous. The Red Wings only play the wild once a year over there. I could only see them once a year. And yet God called us here. It doesn't make sense. Oftentimes, when God calls us to do something, our initial reaction is, this doesn't make any sense. God, if you would ask me my opinion, I would say I'm not going to cast my nets down again because you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm doing. How often have we responded to God that way? But yet Peter has the humility, and we have found in our Christian life, correct, that when we have the humility to listen to God and do what he calls us to do, wonderful, amazing things will happen. Well, that's what happens with Peter. He decides they're going to cast their nets again. So him and his partners begin to cast the nets, and it says that they, they uh, start to pull the nets in, and they're so full they can't do it by themselves. So they call to their other partners that are in other boats, hey, come on over and help us. And they pull their nets out, and there's just such a catch of fish that they say it's a miraculous catch of fish. There's no way we could have done this all night, let alone in one swoop. When Peter sees this, he realizes who Jesus is. Now, at this moment, I don't know if Peter sees Jesus' divinity. I, I don't know if Peter fully recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God. We'll actually get to that next week in Matthew chapter 16. But at least in this moment, Peter knows that there is something about Jesus that is vastly different from any other person he's ever met in his life. And how this occurs is Jesus not only meets with him, not only asks him to do something that sounds a little ridiculous, but then Jesus follows through on a miracle, proving to Peter that he can be trusted. Again, that's with our own Christian lives. Oftentimes, when we put, our, uh, uh, when we put aside ourselves, I shouldn't say oftentimes, I should say all the time, when we put ourselves beside and we pick up what Jesus is calling to do, we will find that miracles occur in our life that we just can't explain. A few years ago, we had a couple in this church talk about uh, how they wanted to give more, but they were afraid to give more because they didn't know if they could afford it. And Pastor Mark talked with them and said, well, just start to give a little bit more at a time. And by the end of the year, as they were giving a little bit more and a little bit more, not only could they afford to give, but they actually found that their budget was increasing. That doesn't make any sense, right? If you've ever worked on a budget, money just doesn't come out of thin air. Well, when God is calling you to do something and he's providing a way, it can seem like it comes out of thin air. That's the Christian life we live, is when we trust in God, we trust that God is going to provide a way to do what he calls us to do. 
He's not going to lead us to dead ends. He's not going to lead us to shut doors. He's not going to lead us to a place and then abandon us, and he's not going to lead us to a place and expect us to work everything out all on our own. When Jesus says, cast your nets again and we trust him, what we get is that miraculous catch. But it has to be what Jesus is calling us to do, which means we have to listen to him, which means we have to humble ourselves Set aside what we plan for our own life and ask God, what would you have me do? And follow through with it. Well, Peter sees this and and he falls down before Jesus and he says, away from me, I am a sinful man, which is really just a a, uh, way of saying to Jesus, I trust you. I, I don't deserve to be around you. You are something special. So that's Peter's response to what Jesus does for him. And Jesus' response to Peter is, uh, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men. And what he's using there is, is a metaphor from Peter's line of work. Peter is a fisherman. He's casting his nets for fish. And Jesus says, I am calling you to something greater than just this job. And what Jesus is calling Peter to do is follow him. Now back then, Uh, the Jewish people had a different way of teaching than how we teach today. If you want to be a professional somewhere, oftentimes what you have to do is you have to go to school, right? You have to complete high school, you have to get your diploma or maybe your GED, and then you have to go to college, and then after college you have to get licensed, and then once you go through all of those classes, you're able to achieve what, what you want to do, whatever that is. But back then... It was different because if you wanted to become a teacher in the Jewish community, you weren't sent to a school to learn how to teach. You would follow a fellow teacher. That teacher had to be recognized by the other rabbinic teachers or rabbi teachers. And so when Jesus says to Peter, uh, don't be afraid, from now on you will catch men, what Jesus is doing is he's inviting Peter to become one of his students so that he can learn the scripture just as Jesus knows it. This is Peter's calling to become a disciple. And what we'll see over the next three years with Peter is that he follows Jesus step for step. And there's other students that Jesus has that he's teaching, but when Jesus is calling Peter, he's calling him to sit at his feet. That's one of the phrases you would have. Or another way of putting it is this word disciple means to follow step by step. And that was actually an allegory that they would use to talk about what it means to learn under a rabbi. So Peter now has the opportunity to follow Jesus step for step, to sit at his feet, to listen to him, to watch him, to ask him questions, to say something and be corrected in front of everybody else. I don't know about you, but that would be the hardest part for me. We have that same calling, but it's still with Jesus. Notice when you've come into this church, me and Pastor Mark don't say to you, come follow me. We don't say, this isn't our church. I may be a minister in this church, but this isn't my church. This is Jesus' church, which means you as a Christian, when you've been called to follow Jesus and you say yes, you are actually following Jesus in his footsteps, doing what he calls you to do. You are a student of Jesus Christ. And what's the goal of being that student? 
Just like Peter, you're called to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, to learn like Jesus. But what did Jesus come to earth to do? He came to earth to save people. He came to earth to forgive sins, to bring people into heaven. So if that's what Jesus was called to do when he's on earth, and we're his disciples, so we're called to walk step in step with him, what are we called to do? Share that same salvation. We're called to share with other people what God has come here to do. And he's preparing Peter in this moment, follow me and you will go out and you will share the message of salvation with other people. And what we'll see in a few weeks is Peter does just that, just in the second book of Acts, is he begins to share the message of salvation. And the final point that we have from this passage is what happens next. So Jesus says to Peter, uh, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. That's one of the, uh, I think in uh, Matthew is where Jesus phrases it that way. But what we have here at the end is Peter's response. And not just Peter, but his companions. They're all called to be following Jesus. They pulled their boats to shore, left everything, and followed him. Peter and his companions' response was not to say, let me think on it. Let, 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 me, let me sleep on this, Jesus, and I'll get... Can I meet with you at the synagogue really quick and we can talk through what this looks like? Oh, but Jesus, we just caught a miraculous catch of fish. Look at how much money I can make. Jesus, give me a moment. Let me bring these down to the market. I can sell them at a great cost and we'll have a good amount of money to start this ministry out. How does that sound? Their immediate response was, to walk away from whatever they were doing in order to follow Jesus because it was a much better life that he was willing to offer. Again, that is our Christian life. We've been called by Jesus and we have an opportunity to let go of anything that's distracting us from growing in God. They left their boats. They left their miraculous catch of fish. They left the jobs that they grew up learning how to work, how to provide for their families with this job. They left it all because Jesus was right before them, offering them a chance to get to know him. That is the kind of Christian life that we have. And don't get me wrong, I, I know that... that it takes time to let go of things. I, I'm still doing it. There are moments in our Christian life that Jesus continues to call us and we continue to realize maybe some of the things that's distracting us from following him further. And we're called in those moments to forsake it, to let go of it. But what's the goal? The goal is we are now in a life with God. We are now following Jesus step for step, and he is now our friend. He's our Savior. He's God. He's the one who loves us. Isn't it worth letting go everything that we have just to follow him? Absolutely. So what we have before us here in this passage is a reminder of the calling that we have in our own life. It's a reminder that we were once called to be Christians and we began to follow Jesus. And on that journey of following Jesus, there's been moments 
where, where uh, Jesus has called us to do something and we've thought, that's ridiculous, but I'd better do it because God has proven himself and I can trust him. Or maybe you're in a situation today where you haven't yet said yes to following Jesus. Maybe you're in a situation today where Jesus has met with you over the years and you just haven't gotten to that point where you want to follow him. I want to give you an opportunity at the end of service to come up with the prayer team and pray with them about receiving Jesus. And what that looks like to begin uh, the journey of following Jesus, to begin being a Christian, is to simply recognize that Jesus has met with you, that Jesus is calling you to follow him, and that you believe that Jesus is there to save you, that Jesus is there to forgive you of anything you've done in your past and bring you into a relationship with God. So at this time, I'd like to invite the prayer team up. I'd like to close in prayer here as we close out our service with one more worship song. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you've called us into, the life of following you, the life of learning from you. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that you would bring us into this relationship with your Father God. We thank you that you would meet with us in the place that we are, that you would call us to do some things that maybe at the time don't make sense, but you provide the miracle to make it happen. Thank you, God, for everything that you have given us. We praise you today. Amen.